here we are in the sermon recap. Um, Pierce, what's the name of the series? I'm just testing you. Do you know what it oh, is? Oh, yes, I do. I do. It's called Hey God, Where Are You? Hey God, Where Are You? And you preached on Where Is God When I Run? Yes. And you preached on Jonah. I did. Love Jonah. Infamous runner in scripture. I know. It was the perfect, perfect passage to choose. Well, thank you. And it was a, I Thanks loved that spirit. message. Thank you. It was so great. I had a lot of fun uh, teaching it. It was fun. Did you feel like as you, often when I'm about to preach a message, I feel like God's teaching me something specific through it? Yes. Did it resonate in that way for you? Yeah, most sermons I preach, I end up preaching to myself. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Then some messages I'm like, I'm kind of done with this. I don't yeah. want to learn this anymore. <laughs> I'm kind of sick of the conviction. But yeah, I um, I used to think that was kind of egocentric, but the reality is like, I think it was, I don't know if it was Augustine or one of those church fathers, David could probably yeah. quote this let's, verbatim. Let's but, call it David? Uh, yeah, we should call David, uh-huh. phone a friend. But but the line is something like, preaching is the contemplation of Scripture and then sharing the fruits of that contemplation. Yeah, yeah. And to me, that's why I end up kind of preaching every sermon to myself because uh-huh. I'm sharing what the Lord is teaching me. I so. know, I love that. Okay, one of the things that as I was listening to it, I wrote down because I was like, oh, I like that. You said that life is a series of diverging roads where we are forced to make a decision. And I want to talk through practically what it looks like when you're standing at this crossroads and you're like, okay, I could go this way or this way. And it doesn't feel clear from where you're standing. So I think about things like a job, like I have this job opportunity or this job opportunity. And they're both good or they both are equally hard or, and, and you don't feel like Jonah obviously had a very clear, audible, you know. Yeah, this is the word of the Lord. This is what we're doing. That doesn't happen to us all the time. Yeah. So how do you discern which way? Yeah, I think, so, and I probably should have clarified this more kind of uh, on Sunday morning, but, you know, with with Jonah, it was a matter in the two diverging roads, to, to use sort of the Robert Frost poem, was one was clearly obedience, one was clearly disobedience. Because God told him to do something and therefore to not do it would naturally be disobedience. So if if that's sort of the divergence of the road that you're at, do I want to walk in obedience or disobedience? Then that's where kind of yesterday comes in. And when we choose disobedience, we end up running. But I think what you're saying, which is a really good question, one that with young adults, I'm constantly talking about, But what if it's not necessarily obedience, disobedience, when in reality, the fork in the road, the divergence in the road could both be acts of obedience, such as taking a new job. Yeah. You know, taking a job, I mean, or let me back up. Gary and I talked about on this podcast just last week how a good theology of work would suggest that no matter what your job is, you're doing it for the glory of Mm -hmm. the Lord. So you might be Mm -hmm. deciding between two jobs and you know that you're going to do both for the glory of the Lord. And so then how do you decide. And that's where probably the really unsexy answer of you just kind of decide one comes in. Yeah. And what I mean by that is, is I think a lot of times we sort of obsess over like, well, what does God want me to do? What does God want me to do? And the reality is I'm, I feel convicted that God has given us a lot of freedom in his will, in his kingdom, if we abide with him mm-hmm. to where there's maybe a path that two roads diverging that the Lord is equally satisfied 
for you to journey down so long as you do it in a sort of John 15 abiding with him, you know? Yeah. I, yeah. I had a, you'll appreciate this because I think it was student ministry, not kids ministry. It's one of the few things I remember. Uh, but I had a leader one time who was explaining sort of this very question you asked. And he said, you know, a lot of times we think God, and again, he's talking to like seventh graders, I think. God is telling us to go into a candy store and go get a Snickers. And we're looking for these very direct steps. But what if God's will is more, hey, you, you go into the candy store and, and, and get candy, right? Mm-hmm. Not so much mm-hmm. it's a particular this or that, but it's more of a, if you live within my will, if you abide by me, then your options are open. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Does that help? Yeah. No, it does. It does. I think people are afraid, uh, you know, afraid of, I just, I don't want to do the wrong thing. Right. And so where it's like, I like what you're saying here, that it's not all the Jonah situation. Where yeah. It's like not every decision is either you're blatantly disobeying or you're doing the right thing. Yeah. I think there are decisions in life that God gives us freedom. the freedom. Yeah. I uh, I read this. I'm, I'm reading Hearing God by Dallas Willard right now. I've decided 2024 would be my Dallas Willard year. Nice. Uh, he's very dense. Um, and so February, I'm like halfway through one of his I, six I, books. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, I'm going to be honest. I'm reading that. I've been reading that book for like a year yeah. and a half now. Well, have you, okay, this is early on, so you've probably gotten there, but but he talks about how with hearing from God and, and particularly in making decisions, I think it's applicable, but he kind of tells his story of his kids playing in his backyard. And I was sharing this with young adults where I'll, when we go into the backyard at our house, it's like my favorite thing to do with our boys because they are pretty self-sufficient on their own. We have toys littered everywhere. I'm sure your yard's similar. And they just or at least it was when they were young. And they just yeah. bounce from toy to toy. And it's yeah. great. Like most of the backyard is safe. Their toys are there. We can give them a lot of freedom there. But there's some boundaries too. Right. Like for instance, Wells, we live in a zero lot line. And so Wells chalked on our neighbor's house. Okay, that's that's a no-go, not right. our house, right? <laughs> and so I told him, hey, here's a boundary here. We have two gates. They don't leave the backyard, especially without telling, yeah. telling us that. Yeah. So there's a boundary there. But- I'm not going to tell them you play with this truck and then you kick the soccer ball Uh, and then you chomp, right? But instead there's freedom in the backyard while there's also some principles in place to where I'm going to tell you if you step outside Uh, those principles. And here enters Jonah when we step outside the principles. Right. I've clearly told you not to and you've done. Yeah. That's a great picture. I love that. I love it. Thanks be to Dallas Willard. Yeah. Um, Okay. You talked about how God will allow pain in our lives if it means getting our attention. The Lord disciplines those he loves. And by the way, I loved your example of, you know, in parenting and that kind of thing, that you let your four-year-old experience some consequence because mm-hmm. you love him, you know? Um, I want to talk more to that, though, because when you are experiencing pain, it's not always because you've been disobedient to God. It's right. not always a warning light. Yep. yep. So how do you discern the two? Yeah. So I wish I would have spent more time on that. And I wish um, I wish I would have had more time to, to get into that. Certainly not every tragedy, not every trial, not every sickness, not every time it even feels like God is withholding something or allowing something 
is because he's trying to get our attention because we're walking in the way of Uh disobedience. I absolutely believe that. I certainly would hate for anyone to have walked out Sunday thinking, well, anytime something bad happens, it's because I'm in sin. Right, 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 right. That's not the case. And and to me, I I go back to, to prove that with scripture, you know, when the parents come up, or not the parents, the disciples ask Jesus, hey, this boy's sick, you know, who, who caused him to sin? What was it? Was it him or is his parents? Mm-hmm. And Jesus says, well, neither. Yeah. It's essentially so I can be glorified, right? Yeah. And so a lot of times things are happening because the Lord is leveraging us to be able to glorify him. Yeah. But how do you distinguish? You know, I think for me in the times that the warning light, so to speak, yeah. has been on in my sort of spiritual dashboard, it's like not been that much of a matter of ambiguity. Mm -hmm. Um, because Mm -hmm. essentially what we're saying, and and I was just using a pithy way of describing conviction by the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And in in my life, unless I'm just completely unaware, I've never had trouble distinguishing when the Holy Spirit is convicting me. Yeah. Um, So that's a really like good place to start, Uh I think, is, Uh you know, if I feel a sort of conviction— and then because of that conviction, something is directly resulted, then yeah, that's probably a storm. So like, for instance, let's say somebody goes to a party, has way too much to drink. Mm-hmm. Even while they're drinking, they feel a conviction of like, oh, I shouldn't do this. Mm-hmm. They get pulled over on the way home. I don't think that person should be questioning if the Lord sent a great wind yes. in the form of a DWI yes. to them, yes. right? I know it's not always that clear cut. Um, and when it's not... I, I wish I had something better to offer. Maybe that's where you come in. But to me, it's it's usually a matter of, well, is the spirit of convicting me of this? Yeah. If the answer is yes, then is there a direct consequence based on my actions that the spirit is convicting me? If the answer is yes again, then the answer is probably, yeah, that's yeah. the Lord sending a great wind. Yeah. And I think like some of this comes in from, I guess this is like personal on my from my experience. There have been times in my life where I have absolutely walked in obedience. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel certain. Yeah. Like, I did what God was asking me to do, and it was really hard. Yeah. And it was really painful. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, it, but I think to your point, I it was painful, but I didn't feel this, like, this, uh, my Holy Spirit yeah. conviction. It was, I felt the kindness and love of God in the midst of my pain. Does that make sense? It totally does. And there are storms along the way to the road to Nineveh. Right. Like there's no doubt. Right. Um, And that's, I think, I think Jonah probably avoided Nineveh because he knew there would be storms on that road. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. I think he thought that there might not be any storms on the road to Tarshish. Uh Uh-huh. And yet, obviously, that's the storm that he ends up getting swept up in. Yeah. Um, and, And so, absolutely. Like, and- Again, uh, Jonah had good reason to avoid Nineveh. Mm-hmm. Uh, really good reasons. He mm-hmm. knew that was a stormy, stormy route. Obviously, we know that the road to Tarshish was full of storms too, yeah. ones that ended with him and the belly of a fish. And yet, I, I think that there's, to your point, kind of what we've been talking about, there is a satisfaction in walking through a storm in obedience. Mm-hmm. Right. And, yeah. and I think there's an emptiness to walking through a storm and disobedience. And a lot of times it's that storm 
that the Lord is allowing. Yes, yes. Yeah, that's really, and I can, I can think of examples in my own life where I'm like, yeah, there was a, there is a comfort and a satisfaction and a peace. Yeah. I'm doing what God wants me to do. And this is still hard. Yeah. And but there's a closeness to, to Jesus. I feel like, cause when we suffer, when we experience pain, we connect to the pain that he endured, you know, sure, and there's sure. a closeness there where when I've been just disobedient, I have like examples in my in my mind right Dude, now. Share them all. Please. I don't. I don't know that we're. <laughs> we needed a IV counseling session during this, but <laughs> you'll need to find an appropriate counselor. <laughs> That's not me. I don't know that people are you know wanting that for this podcast. But I'm like, yeah, I can totally think about those. And I just think if you're sitting here listening, like, can you place times in your life where you've been obedient and it's been painful, and you've experienced God verse, you've been disobedient and it's been painful. And what that feels like, you know, it's different. Yeah. And you still experience God. That's the beauty of God. Like God is on both roads. Um, Oh my gosh. I know. And yet one, and God is on both roads. Both roads are painful, but they do come. One of them comes with the satisfaction of moving in obedience and sharing Uh in the sufferings of your master, Jesus. And one doesn't. Because yeah. Jesus does not share in your sufferings of disobedience. Yes. Because he wasn't disobedient. <clears throat> now he's empathetic and he's present. I don't even know if I'd say he's empathetic. He's present. Yeah. Um, but he doesn't share in those in the same way that he shares in our suffering when we walk in obedience. Yeah. I remember this time, which we'll kind of get in our next question, but I remember this time where he was very clear about asking me to do something. And I was like, relying on my logic. I was mm-hmm. like, but I shouldn't do that because that doesn't make sense, God. That that doesn't make sense. And I just said, no, no, no. And ultimately it led to kind of a mess. Nothing, but a mess. And I remember the moment I realized I didn't do what you asked me to do two months ago. And that's why I'm in this situation today, mm-hmm. God. And I am so sorry I remember that moment so clearly. And what was really sweet about it is how like kind he was. Yeah. Yeah. He was like, it's okay. We're gonna, I've got, I still have a plan. And he yep. turned it around for me. And yes, it was uncomfortable. It there was pain. It was uncomfortable. It wasn't as easy as it would have been if I had just been obedient two months before. But he he worked it out for good. That's, it was so good. That's yeah. Jonah 3. Jonah 3, 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Aww. And so, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and again, <clears throat> it kind of brings to mind, uh, Kristen showed me this, this meme of Jonah, and it's like Jonah, and then on the other end of this circle is sort of Nineveh, and one is Jonah's way, which shows him going like all the way around the circle, Back to Nineveh. And the other one is God's way, which is just like the more direct yes, yes. route. And, and if we believe in the sovereignty of the Lord, then yeah, God gets the glory either way. Right. And he certainly does in Jonah. It just took all of chapter one and two to get it to where chapter three should have. Yes. Or just, chapter three is. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Last, last question to, for us to discuss. Towards the end of your message, you talked about whenever you come to the end of yourself, you're like, I've I've taken the wrong route. I've yeah. been disobedient. 
And I love this so much. We can still call out to God. He hears us and he responds. And I love that about God. I love that that Jonah gives us that picture. And I, I was immediately like, reminded of or thought about when we, sometimes it's easy to see other people's decisions as like, oh no, they're mm. making the wrong choice. <laughs> oh no. They're, they're oh, you know. Do it. It's like watching a train <laughs> crash, but I can't take <laughs> yes. my, I can't turn away, but I don't want to see it. <laughs> no, I mean, and I think, well, I guess we're old enough now. I'm like, you, when you live enough life, yeah. you realize like, no, 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 I've made that mistake. You shouldn't yeah. do that. Don't do that. Yep. Um, But we're on, we've, we've cautioned people. We've done like, what does it look like for us to respond to someone that is down the road and, you know, what do you think that looks like? Yeah, that's, so that's what, and I, I didn't get to go. I I had to start moving a little quick um, at this point in the sermon, but for one, I would say you do what some of my friends did to me in college. Um, and they loved the Lord. They knew I loved the Lord. They knew I was wandering down a path of disobedience. And so I'll never forget. I was sitting in a class. It was a night class. And I got a text from like two or three of my roommates who are like, hey, we need to talk to you. And I'm like, don't you ever say that on a text message. We need to talk. Let this be a public <laughs> service announcement. Just call me and tell me what you need to tell me or just text me for coffee. But don't ever say I need to talk to you because I'm always freaked out by that. Like, yeah, what your mind goes to every exactly. possible scenario. So naturally, I used it as an opportunity to leave class, which I was always looking for an opportunity to do. Sure. And so I went home, and uh, they, like, sat me down in my room. And, like, it wasn't—I mean, I don't want to minimize what they called me out about. I also don't want uh, to leave too much mystery to where people are like, what was he doing, Tanya? <laughs> it was, again, things I needed to be called out for. <laughs> Now um, we are we are writing our own story like you were with that text right, message. Right, exactly, yeah. exactly. But we're going to trust. We don't need to know. No, you don't need to know, <laughs> but you also need to know that it wasn't like anything massive. Got it, got um, it, got it. I, I, they can just cut this part out, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> but they set me down, and it was truly the most uncomfortable, awkward conversation. And yet immediately it was like, wow, one, they really love me. Wow, yeah, yeah. Because— it was awkward for them. It would have been way easier for them to let me wander down the road to Tarshish than it would have been for me to even keep uh, wandering down exactly. the road to Tarshish. And so it was the kindness that they did for me and the love that they had for me. And part of that was like motivation enough of like, wow, they care about me enough to call me out on this. Like, I should probably really take seriously what they're saying. Yeah. Um, and so I think, again, kind of like, I talked about the captain of the ship telling Jonah to wake up. Um, but maybe your question or wake up and call on your gun. Maybe your question is like, hey, I've told them to wake up. I've told them countless times. I live with some of these people that are heading down the road to Tarshish. And every morning before they leave for school, I say, hey, wake up, call out to God. And yet I know they're not. And so then what's your response is that? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think you've, that, you've given a great example, I think, of like, but yeah, what if it's like, We've we've had the conversations multiple times. Yeah, we've even. done the you know the intervention, right? Yeah, you know I think in times like this, 
I try and think, okay, how would, this sounds so cliche, but how would Jesus respond in this situation? And I think Jesus would be persistently patient. Mm -hmm. And I think he is with us. And so he's persistent. Mm -hmm. And so I think Jesus wasn't afraid and wouldn't be afraid to tell someone to wake up multiple times. Mm -hmm. But I also think he was patient and that he's willing to wait. Like we we vastly underestimate how patient I think Jesus can be. Right, um, right. And that, I mean, I truly do believe for some of these people that are wandering down the road to Tarshish for years and years mm-hmm. and years, Jesus is perfectly content to wait mm-hmm. there for as long as he has to. Yeah. He doesn't want to. He'd rather you repent and right. call out immediately, but he loves you too much just to be like, all right, I'm giving up right. after a month after two months. Right. Um, and so in the same way, I want to be patient. I want to be persistent. Um, and I want to be available for whatever yes, they do. Yes, that's think, so good. I think maybe under all that is um, the availability that we maintain. Like mm-hmm. knowing that I'm going to keep reminding you to wake up. Mm-hmm. And as soon as you do, I'm right here. Yes. And I'm ready to walk yes. with you. Oh, yes. That is a Yes. Yeah. I what comes to mind is like when I've had conversations with parents who have you know teenage or young adult children mm-hmm. and you know and they're reckon they're it doesn't feel like their kids are yeah on the right path mm-hmm. and you know when I've talked to people who have come around like one of the things they say about their parents is all of like, my parents were available to me. My parents spoke the truth to me. My parents always loved me. Yeah. No matter. And I think that's, that is a picture of the way God is for us. Yeah. And recognizing we cannot change people. Mm -hmm. We cannot change people. Yeah. I think we need to speak truth. I love how your roommates did that, you know, Um, and not, not run from that, but also recognize it's not our job to change people. No, uh, it's not our job to convict people. Yeah. We wish it was a lot of times, I think, um, but it's not. Yeah. Like, that's the spirit of God's job. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think that's a great way of looking at it. And and I do think, I, I wish there would have been time to even hit on this. I know we're running out of time here, but we often talk about how many Gen Z millennials are walking away from the faith and they're the post-Christian generation. And I think we forget uh, that that means the same number of parents, really twice as many parents, if you think of two Mm -hmm. parents to a kid, are then struggling with this sort of prodigal son, prodigal daughter um, dilemma. Um, And so that's something that, uh, and I don't want to over-promise, but I, I do want, if anyone resonates with that, we, especially as kind of the groups team, like we realize that and, and we're making plans to where we want a place for folks who are struggling with sons and daughters that are on the way to Tarshish. Yeah. We want a space to to minister and grow community yeah. amongst folks walking through the yeah. same journey. And so, again, we don't know exactly what we will look like, but we're not unaware of the reality yeah. of that situation and yeah. the commonality of oh, it. Oh, yeah. But, That's good. All right. Well, you did a great job hosting. Thanks. This was this was nice to be on me this side of the chair. Okay. Um, yeah. Thanks, Ivy. Yeah. I will gladly have you back. Oh, good. Yeah.
All right. How do we how do we end this? Is there a way to end this? Well, if I was the host, let's say. Yeah, let's tell me. This is what I would do. I would say something like, hey, thank you so much for listening. We'll <laughs> see you next week for week two on Hey God, Where Are You? Week two or week three? Week two. Week two. Okay, week let two. me try this. Okay. Hey, guys, thanks so much for tuning <laughs> into this sermon recap. We will yeah. see you next week for the second sermon in this series, Hey God, Where Are You? That was great. That was a really good Did I get outro. that right? You nailed it. You nailed okay, it. Okay, thanks. Great. All right. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>